You're listening to the Side Hustle Gal podcast with your hosts, Danny Fountain and Caitlin Allen. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Side Hustle Gal podcast. Today, we have another revisit episode for you. You might remember from last season that we talked to Joey Vitale of Indie Law, and he is back again today to tell us where he's gotten in the past year and what's going on in his business. Joey, we are so, so excited, excited to have you back. You guys, I'm so excited to be here. Did Caitlin just say she was so excited? <laughs> but it was like muted a little bit. That's great. Thanks, Caitlin. I'm really excited to talk to you too. I'm just over here cracking up. All right. Uh, so, Joey, what? who would you say is your entrepreneur crush? My entrepreneur crush would have to be the Green Brothers, John and Hank Green. They are, do either you guys, you guys know who they are? I'm like, Hank's my best friend. No, I have no idea. So <laughs> John Green um, wrote The Fault in Our Stars. Oh, and, of course. Duh. And, and Hank. For Alaska and all yeah. And Hank Green is like super, super into science and they're brothers and his, and Hank Green invented like Videocon, I think. Um, I should probably know more about them if they're my crushes, but they have this podcast um, and it's, it's so awesome. It's called Dear Hank and John. And sometimes when they start, they fight over whether it should be Dear Hank or John or Dear John and Hank. Um, they're just like two adorable brothers who are both like business owners and really have this holistic kind of human approach to running their business. And I'm trying to bring part of what they're doing into Indie Law's brand just because I love it. It's very, um, it's very human. It's very vulnerable um, without letting that kind of question their expertise. And what I, I want to kind of pivot a little bit and okay. be funny because I think this would be a great story. What would you say is your most embarrassing middle school moment? Oh, well, or that, high school, whatever, any schooling. That I totally know. So I was in sixth grade at a friend's house. And he was one of those friends where like, we weren't super close, but he was a really good guy. Like I knew his parents, that kind of stuff. He we went to the same school. And I don't know why, but we started playing fetch or not fetch i just saw caitlin look at her dog we started playing we started playing catch with the football and i'm like not like a sports guy or whatever and so i don't really like know how to like throw a ball the right way um i'm getting super real with you guys um anyway so we were playing catch for a while and then at some point i had like a horrible pass to him and it went over his head and it hit the christmas christmas tree behind him in their basement and the christmas tree fell over and it was fully decked out with ornaments and stuff. And so it fell over and everything just shattered. And I like freak out. I look at him and he like looks at me and freaks out and he starts cracking up, which like gives me the freedom to be like, okay, that's really funny. So I start laughing and then I laugh so hard. I pee my pants. <laughs> and so I have to go upstairs to his mom and be like, can you please throw my clothes in the wash washing machine for me? Um, and so, yeah. Because that, I just pissed myself because <laughs> I broke your tree. <laughs> exactly. There was a lot of like, I'm tree. sorry <laughs> going on. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Alex knew. Oh, sorry, buddy. Gonna shout him out. I'll, I'll put him in the show notes and, too. And his, and his mom, Sue knew. That's her name. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. So 
we want to pivot more to talk about your business. What interpersonal uh, challenges do you have in your business? What interpersonal challenges? Well, I think a big one is as your business grows, it's difficult to continue um, having that same level of interaction with your followers. So I launched a Facebook group back in November of 2016. And for a while, there was like two, 300 members in the group. And I was just starting the firm. Um, it was very easy to kind of reach out to them and have like ongoing kind of, I learned all of their names. They were all very engaging in the group. Um, and then for a variety of reasons, the group grew quickly. Having to change the way that I facilitated that group, but at the same time, try and maintain that level of um, like a Joey touch and making people who are in the group feel like they were a part of the community. Um, that's a challenge. And then, you know, that the same thing applies with clients. The more you get, the harder it is to, to have, you know, those two or three, you know, main clients that you had at the beginning and you have to be okay with distancing yourself more from that relationship. And being comfortable delegating that to yep. other people as well. For sure. Yeah, no, it, it takes a lot. A lot of people um, look like I am, I've still got goals of where I want to hit. I, I say that just because a lot of people, you know, look to some level of success, especially in the creative entrepreneurship scene. And they're like, geez, I want that. And like, I was like that when I first started as well. But problems just get exponentially harder as your business grows, you know, and no money, more problems. Right. And uh, the, the, the more that you, um, the more that your business grows, the harder it is to, you know, make sure that you're delegating all of that stuff. Now, the reverse is also true. You can also try and have a system for things before you really get off the ground. And that systems creating can prevent your business from really taking action on things. And so there is kind of a dance there between, and, and I'm still trying to figure this out, between, you know, having enough systems in place so that when things get busy, you have something you can delegate to, but at the same time, not, um, not getting to a place where um, you're creating all of these systems before you validated that, that there's a need for them to even exist. Yeah, I think that's super relatable um, to other business owners as well, right? So you said making sure that you have the personal touch in your Facebook group because it has grown real quick. And I think we see a lot with bigger Facebook groups. Um, I, I guess I don't really want to throw out an example because I don't want to throw anybody under sure. the bus, but there are groups where it's attached to somebody's name, but you don't see that person interacting with the group. And I know you do that really well. Raina also does that really well with her, with her Facebook group. Yep. Um, yeah. Love but yeah, that's, that's a struggle. And then especially if you're a side hustler, right? So if, if, if there's people that are doing this as a side hustle and they have a big group and they get a following, not only are they working, you know, multiple jobs, they're trying to balance the social media aspect of it too. And that can get really overwhelming really quickly. Yeah, no, it can get super overwhelming. And something that, you know, that we're working on now is putting up some boundaries in place because it's very, it's very easy because it's fun to stay plugged into those spaces and, you know, 
you hit submit on a post and then you wait and see what the interaction looks like. It's, it's a difficult not to crack. And I talk to a lot of business owners who struggle with the same thing, but trying to figure out a way to, you know, have some type of a schedule to what you're doing so that you get in, you do that, then you go out and you redirect your work to all the other stuff that's on your plate. I think that's also really, really interesting too, because, you know, you see somebody posting at one o'clock every day. That's when I'm going to be in the group because I want to interact with that one person. So it's also figuring out how to be in there at different times throughout the day. So, so that you do, we do feel like you're being there more mm. often than the one time you're posting. Mm-hmm. I want to know what mistake you made when you started your business that you want others to know about so that they hopefully don't make it too. Oh man, you guys, so many, so many mistakes. Let's see here. Um, before your business is making, before your business um, generates revenue, don't spend more than 10 minutes making a logo, especially creatives, because we like making things look pretty. There's this idea of, oh, this has to look good for things to sell. And yeah, maybe eventually you get to that point. But I know I wasted so much time when I first started trying to make my logo look good. And I redid it like at least seven times in like the month that my, like I was putting my firm together. And it's changed a lot since then. But I, I, I think that there's, especially in the creative space, people get emotionally attached to the pretty part of the way that their business looks and you have to grow into that would be my advice because otherwise you're putting a lot of thought and energy into something that is not that big of a deal when it comes to if someone finds out about you and you're a really awesome solution to their pain point your website doesn't need to be pretty nevertheless exist if there's a way for them to get hold of you and pay you um let's see what else here um other mistakes that i've made um there are facebook live is fantastic i wish i hopped i wish i would have hopped on that sooner um because you do it so well (laughs) yes danny um facebook live is just fantastic i think that people are starting to understand that um that old the 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 whole like being authentic thing is starting to get sour in people's mouths. And I think it's starting to get replaced with being human, which I hope is a trend that doesn't go away or like start to sound bad to people because I don't think that you can be human and have that not be something that's genuine. Um, But indie law or not indie law. um, Facebook live is just an awesome way to, and my video in general, of, you know, it's unscripted, your, your viewers know that it's kind of unscripted, and it allows you to put a lot of your personality um, into your brand. And what's also great is that you don't have to go back and edit and figure out all that you're going to say. And, you know, it's what I tell people when they want to maybe start a course is, look, create a group or a page, do some Facebook lives in a row, and then you have the video content that you need to put that course together. Because if you try and do it the other way around, it can take months to do the shooting, all the takes, the edits. So Facebook Live is fantastic. You want me to keep going? Because I made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) This is good. This is good. We'll we'll let you off with those too. (laughs) Um, Tell me what your dream is for the entrepreneurial industry, Joey. And 
get off Etsy is not the answer here. Give me something deeper. <laughs> My dream for the entrepreneurial industry is, and this goes back to something I think we talked about um, last time, Danny, is this idea of what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? And I think a lot of people are trying to embrace that term when they're not a traditional entrepreneur, which is fine. And maybe like the meaning of the term is changing, but traditionally an entrepreneur was someone who was a big risk taker who built and sold businesses. And I think that, you know, maybe it takes some time to experiment what type of business owner personality kind of resonates with you. But I think that if more people can, can kind of understand and categorize, you know, am I that type of business owner who's entrepreneurial or am I just trying to build a sustainable business that I love? I think that would be huge if that concept was embraced more. And I also think, especially in the area of creative entrepreneurship, and we might get into this later, I have a feeling we'll bring it back up. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people start a business around a hobby that they love. And after weeks or months or years, they realize that even though they love it as a hobby, they hate it as a business. And I've been there, so I get it. Um, but I don't so, think that it gets talked about enough. Let's talk about that because you just said that there's a difference between being an entrepreneur and owning a business. And so you were someone that failed at being a side hustler. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So, so last year, 2016, beginning of the year, I decided to leave the law firm that I was at. Um, wasn't really sure what my next step, I had like an 85% guess as to what the next step would be. And so I joined um, a law firm or, or a law firm that was a solo law firm. So it was me and one other attorney and I was uh, doing work for her, but that didn't pay the bills entirely. And so I knew I had to do something else. And so I had always loved graphic design as a hobby, always loved photography as a hobby. And I had always been annoyed that my family and my close friends would always ask me to do their Christmas cards. Honestly, that's kind of how it started was they would always ask me to do their, like take their family photos and like do their Christmas cards for free. And I was like, I can't do this for free anymore. And so I started charging and I built a business around it. And it was really a side hustle. It was something that was not my full-time thing. Um, but it was like on the backside of my business card at the time that I, that I offered that. And after a couple months, I realized that I really enjoyed it, but I didn't have the processes in place. I didn't have the, like the professional experience to deliver on what the clients that I was getting in were wanting. And it was more of a headache than something that I enjoyed doing. And so long story short, I eventually decided to start my own firm and then I put everything else off to the side. Um, but I, you know, side hustling is really interesting. And Danny, I know that, uh, you've got quite a bit of experience there. And I know that you guys are kind of interviewing me here, but Tani, what's your take on it? If someone came to you and was like, I am, I have this job that I like doing, but I want to do something else. And can I turn this thing into a side hustle? Like, do you just say go for it? Or do you like give them a little bit of like a talking to just so they understand the landscape? 
I can like oh. talk for Danny because she did this to me. <laughs> True. <Yeah. laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so what what ends up happening is people tell me that they have a business idea or people tell me that they want to make extra money or people say, hey, I really like doing this thing. And I'm that weirdo that's always like, it's cheap to make an LLC, just make it an LLC and go make money and have fun. So I'm the person that's like, stop BSing yourself and make it happen. Yeah. Um, other people take the approach of slow burn, like just take your time and see what happens. Um, but we're human. And if we don't commit to doing something, we'll let it slow burn forever. So yep. Caitlin had been talking to me for a little bit about like wanting to make side money. I think at the time you were considering getting a part-time job at the coffee shop or um, potentially helping your other friend with some freelance work. And I was like, well, dude, like I need an assistant. Let's go. Done. And here we are 10 months later and she's a full-time entrepreneur. Um, so I'm very much the kind of person that ends up pushing people. <laughs> I mean, I remember back when I had kind of made the decision, all right, I really want to do this. And Danny was like, all right, we're going to do your LLC. And it was just a mastermind randomly that I got invited to that was Danny's thing with um, Jana and Rosemary. And they were like, hey, Caitlin, come with us. And I'm like, oh, I'm not really an entrepreneur. Like, I don't, I don't identify as that. And they're like, no, 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 come. And at the end of it, I had a logo. I had a website. I had an LLC. <laughs> they were like, just get your shit together and do it. So, Well, I, lo- I mean, that's a really good point, Danny and, like, Caitlin, as the execution of that. Like, if this is something you're interested in, like, you have to just keep acting. Because it's really easy to think yourself still you know? Um, so I think that's really good advice. Something that I'm seeing too is like, there are different types of side hustlers. There's the side hustler who is doing it because of, because they're passionate about something. There's a side hustler just because they're bored of their day job or because they need extra income. There's side hobbyist, um, stay at home parents who aren't really looking as in it for the long term, they're just wanting a, 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 a way to make to supplement their income in some way. And so I, I get a lot of the reason why I kind of defer to you on that, Danny, is because because of the fact that my law firm is really built for um, small business owners and creatives who have reached a level of financial sustainability. Um, I do have quite a bit of discovery calls with people who aren't quite there yet. And um, because it's not really in my wheelhouse and because I'm not a business expert, um, usually the conversation stops at, you know, I don't think that you're a good fit for this, for what this firm has to offer yet. Um, Here are some good things that you might want to consider in order to get the the revenue up. But uh, yeah, I think, I think that mindset and the willingness to just keep moving is a huge part of it. That's something I wish I saw more in the entrepreneur or the creative industry is that that push to actually do more than just side hustle. Because for me, I never, I, 
if Danny and Jana and Rosemary wouldn't have said, no, you need to get your shit together, I would still be side hustling. I would have gotten a regular job and I would hate it. And I love doing what I'm doing now, but we're not pushing people that need to be pushed to do it as a thing, like as a real daily, a thing that they can actually run as a business. So I see on my side, I see people who don't want side hustlers to identify as creative business owners or entrepreneurs, but we are like we, in my opinion, I'm working my ass off twice as hard because I'm running a business without it being an actual business and working at another job. And I think that's something that I got frustrated with was, well, you can't identify as an entrepreneur. And I I didn't think that was true, but I do wish we had more people pushing. Yeah. There's like the race to full-time. And the race to full-time is great. And we do celebrate people really well. Like when they post in rising tide or savvy, Hey, I went full time. Like there's usually hundreds of comments on those posts being like, congratulations. Oh my gosh, you finally made it. Mm. Yeah. Um, But there's a lack of honor and respect for like being in the side hustle position. And like Amy Nichols is a prime example of this. She's the director of events at the information, which is a big tech publication in the Bay area. And she's running a six-figure event planning business on the side. And she has another one on the side. She has and she has two. a coordination business, yeah. too. She's running two side hustles. Yeah, um, no, I think you're right. I think, that, I think that there's a, a lack of, of respect and recognition of, of that being something that is okay. It doesn't have to be a stepping stone to full-time. Um, and even if it does, like, I also think a lot of people make the mistake of, including myself, um, rushing in a full time before you're ready for it. And I like to tell people that like I belly flopped in the <laughs> startup scene because I wasn't prepared for it. I thought I knew what I was doing and I realized really quickly that I was in over my head. Okay. Um, and I don't, I don't think I would recommend it to most people to just completely pivot and try this thing. Um, but there, at the same time, I think that, if what you're working on is more than just, I want to supplement a little bit of my partner's income because I'm seeing a lot of that and a lot of chasing passive income, which I don't think is true. Um, and maybe we can talk about that, but I, I, I think that there's a, where was I going with that? There's just a lot of, uh, I think people need to understand more that when you, when you do something like this, especially when you create the side hustle, um, there's a lot of commitment that goes into it and a lot of legitimacy that you need to think about. Because I work with lots of great, great creatives. And there are some who are the most talented people I've met but they haven't figured out the business side of things. And so mm-hmm. even though the end quality is great, um, the whole customer ser- service experience isn't that stellar. And it's similar to in the attorney space when people are like, oh, I just started a law firm. I want to be able to promote the fact that like I have the best results. And a lot of people think that that's what 
they want an attorney, but most legal clients don't remember and don't really appreciate the big verdict as much as that long relationship that they were in. And so it's not just mastering your craft, but it's also understanding that it's, you now have this whole other component to running a business around it. There are so many different roads into this industry, but it feels like once you get into this industry, there are only one or two roads up. So it's interesting to hear like another angle on coming What do you mean by it, that? You know? So I think people find this industry, like you said, um, they're looking for passive income. They're looking for a way to supplement income. They have this passion and they're like, well, shit, I might as well monetize it. Um, they're a Caitlin who's working a day job and wants a little bit extra on the side. Or they're someone who's considering being an entrepreneur and want to test the water safely first. Like there are so many pathways into this industry. But once you're in this industry, it, it seems like the only, there are only three paths to success. You become an educator and you speak and create courses and do all the things. You build a team and you step into a management role and do less one-on-one work or you create a model that somehow allows you to scale without constricting time. Yeah, um, I think take a different path up like Joey, you taking the subscription model path. You get a lot of weird looks. There's a lot of people that appreciate what you're doing, but you also get a lot of weird looks from people because you're doing things so differently than the rest of the industry does it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but even, even I would fit myself into one of those three categories. And, and I don't necessarily think that, I mean, I feel like the building a team and managing it is the most traditional of those. Oh yeah. For and sure. I feel like that is something that I don't think that that's, I think in some ways those might be more options than what you could have if you started like a non-creative business, because this idea of, of speaking around it or, figuring out how to scale without lessening your time. I don't think that other industries are as willing to innovate as the creative space. But yeah, I think that, I think that building a team and managing it is kind of like the by the book way to grow your business past, you know, quarter million. Mm-hmm. This is like Joey's preaching moment. <laughs> I feel like this is what he's always pushing for right hey i mean or maybe it's just the fact that those are the books that i read that says here's how you grow a business Um. (laughs) yeah i mean i can totally relate to that because i've been super lucky in the fact that i could go full-time within what four months of having an llc right i was super lucky because i had larger known business owners that i could ask questions for and bounce ideas off but I, I've struggled with seeing people posting in certain social media groups that say, oh, I'm, I'm going full-time on Friday, and they have no business structure, or like, they don't, they don't even know what they're doing. They just think that they're taking a side hustle to a full business when they quit their day job Friday afternoon. <laughs> and that freaks me out like that literally gives me anxiety for that person because I'm like congratulations now what are you doing with your life yep <laughs> well and, and I think that I mean there's a lot of romanticizing this 
that's yeah. right now. And I think that hopefully sooner than later, there will be a lot of wake up calls and like rubber hitting the road in a lot of these issues where like creative entrepreneurship is not rainbows and butterflies. It's really hard. And more and more people are starting to talk about the fact that, I mean, props to Natalie Frank recently for talking about depression in the space and how people who choose this lifestyle are typically leaving something else because of the fact that it made them emotionally in a bad place. And like, I think it was you who commented on our, our video where Natalie and I discussed this, Danny, like creatives a lot of times can be predisposed to, you know, high levels of depression. Wasn't it one in four entrepreneur creative entrepreneurs have depression? I think one in three or one in four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we're predisposed because we are those people that are ballsy, that are driven, that are, we're the people that are predisposed to work ourselves into the ground instead of going to the doctor when we get sick. So Mm -hmm. naturally we're also the people that are predisposed to depression, to all of those feels as well. Yeah. Well, and I only say that because I, um, I'm starting to see it more where people are starting to open up and it's not, it's not the pretty floral website images, you know, that's going on. And and this is tough. And I, I, I hope that something that happens soon is that, people realize that there is another way to being a creative small, like a creative entrepreneur and that idea of like an entrepreneur mindset where, where, you know, if you feel that you love, you know, this creative thing, it's the culture is growing enough now to where there might be job opportunities and not just it's on you to create your own business because a lot of people in the space you know, running a business isn't for all of them. Yeah, I love that because now there's teams that you can join instead of, instead of creating your own structure, you, you have a team that you can join and really feel empowered getting away from that corporate job and knowing that this creative has done, done all of the things that you wish you could do or want to do but never really wanted to do it. And now you can join their team and really feel appreciated and empowered. Yep. Yeah. All right. This got deep guys. (laughs) So we're going to bring it back up soft a little bit. I have one more question before I toss it over to Caitlin. Yeah. Um, And I'm curious to hear your perspective on this. (laughs) At a scale of one to 10, Joey, how weird do you think you are? Oh, I'm super weird. (laughs) I'm probably, I'm at least above a nine. Above a nine. (laughs) um, But I think that like, so here's the thing. I hate the word weird. Oh, Um, you feel about it the way I feel about authenticity? Yeah. So I think that when most people say that's weird, it's a judgment call that that person's different and that that difference is negative. Yes, it's always like a negative difference connotation when you just say it's different, not weird. It's different. Yeah, and I, and I think that it, um, it, I mean, I struggled with it. I mean, I guess everybody struggles with being like weird in a bad sense. The danger for me is that if I'm not in a space where like people like and love my weirdness, then I feel 
a pressure to conform. And so I think that if people are being honest with them, like, I think everybody thinks that they're like super weird. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, as someone who is on your team, right? You're not weird. I wouldn't consider you weird. I have never, I mean, there's a few things that make you weird, right? But everybody has those weird things. So I wouldn't have put you at a nine. So I think it's really interesting for you to say that. Yeah. So like when I say that I think I'm weird, it's because I think that I am, um, I think creatively and differently. And like, I think part of the reason why Danny and I, and Caitlin too, but like when Danny comes to visit me and we hang out, I think part of the reason why we have such a good time and that we laugh so hard is that there's so much like of the unexpected that happens just when we're chatting. And like that comes from our weirdness. Um, but like I, I have this combination of being an extrovert, but one that also really appreciates being alone or not alone, but like to myself. And so like I, I know that, so like I was like really into like my faith when I was younger and every once in a while, like they would just kind of pick somebody to like pray out loud for the group. And I hated it because I was like, what do I say? And when I started doing my business and especially the Facebook lives, there was a similar thing where it was like, I like being live, but I don't like being the talking head for an hour. And that's why I've built into my brand, these shows that I do with other people where we're chatting because I, I love and I get energy from talking with other people, but I'm not the type of person who can just ramble off, off of my own thoughts forever. And so it's really helpful for me to have other people that I can bounce back and forth with. And I think it allows conversations to be more meaningful. And so I, I was just kind of thinking about that as we were saying it, because I, I don't think I realized that when I started doing it, I just did it because it kind of felt right. I always love having conversations with you because I always learn something new about you. I like this. Like what? <laughs> I didn't think that you were the kind of person that needed alone time. I think that I do. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, so I always, whenever I like people said, are you an extrovert or an introvert? Like I'm not like one of those like loud cry, like, crowd pleaser types. And so I was always like, nah, I'm not really an extrovert. But I do like having my like alone time at certain parts of the day. And where was I, was I going with that? I don't know. I just <laughs> think it's all super interesting. And I think that one of the things that's been helpful for me is realizing that like, yes, there's such, an, there's such a thing as like actionable advice online. And like, if you want to get better at this, here's a list of things that you can do. Like that exists and it's a thing. But there are a lot of different ways for your business to succeed. And I think it starts with figuring out like what your strengths are and what comes easy to you. I like it. Yeah. All right. I'm tossing it over to Caitlin. Awesome. Well, I think we're pretty close to the end here. So where can we find you on social media and what's your web address? Sure. So you can find me um, on my website at IndieLaw.com. Um, someone snagged Indie Law on a lot of the social media stuff, but they're not using it. So um, you can try either Indie Law or Indie Law Firm. Um, 
on social media and you'll find me. Um, the best place to find me right now is on Facebook. Um, so if you just go to Facebook and you search either Indie Law or the Friends of Indie Law, um, that's my group where um, I, I try and, uh, you know, I'll do other things, but that community and that group is really where um, I engage with my following the most. 